Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Watch No Evil. This is Zach. And this is Matt. And this week, we watched a film in which three young filmmakers compiled documentary footage about a local myth about a forest-dwelling witch. They hear about a hairy witch from the people in town before exploring the woods themselves in search of evidence. After getting the footage they were looking for, they end up lost in the woods and experience firsthand the dark magic of the very bear they're making the documentary about. The film we are talking about, of course, is The Bear Witch Project. Matt, what did you think about this mammal-inspired witch film? Well, first of all, I think as far as uh, Ursine Entertainment goes, this ranks low for me, Zach. And what are we using uh, for a point of comparison? You know, I just think that it's a bit, it's a, it's, it's a, bit blank it's a bit ham-fisted in times and and none of the none of the grisly gore in this really helps to push the story forward you know yeah i mean they do use a lot of black imagery in this uh mm-hmm. with the completely dark scenes uh but, so it kind of makes you wonder how but i much can see of... you know i can see why this film is so polarizing <laughs> i can't do this anymore <laughs> you started it <laughs> yeah, I didn't expect you to counter though. <laughs> you weren't expecting a good a good ass polarizing joke? No, that was too good. I was like, oh, there's brown bears too, or panda bears. Uh oh, I could say it's pandering to the audience a little bit too much. Yeah, there panda you go. ring. There we go. Uh, and... I, I won. Just kidding. You would have come up with something else. But anyways, the movie we talked about this or the movie that we're going to talk about this week is the Blair Witch Project. Uh, from 1999. Thank you for uh, dealing with our intro antics here. So now to talk about the actual movie we watched. This movie is so iconic because it did, although it's not the first found footage horror film, it is probably the one that popularized that subgenre the most. And there's just a lot to this movie, but also it's very simple. Like, what's crazy about this one to me is that you never see the Blair Witch. And it's still so frightening the whole time. Like, there's just so much tension in the atmosphere in this one. Correct. You do never see the Blair Witch. And I don't think that you, uh, I don't think that you need to. I think that the story stands on its own. And in a way, it reminds me a lot of Jaws, just in the nature of having a creature that you know is there but never really makes itself known however where steven spielberg sort of uh stopped with pushing the envelope on this blair witch project just never shows you the baddie never shows you the witch yeah and i wonder if you like slow it down and go shot by shot maybe there's like the outline of a person somewhere because there is that one time where they're running through the dark and she says what the hell is that yeah she she like looks to the side and kind of heather looks to the side and turns the camera and and goes what the hell is that as they're running and i'm like looking in there because i was looking really carefully and there was nothing uh that i could see so and of course they don't show anything at the end and it ends so abruptly too I think it's very inspirational to films like Paranormal Activity, where it just ends very abruptly. Like, there's no conclusion because it's found footage, like Cloverfield and, you know, all these other kind of popular 
found footage films. And what's also interesting about this movie is that it was made for like a dime. And it's just, it's, it's just so like, it's, it's really genius because one, it was made for a dime. There's no budget. And it's like the profits on this were so insane because it got this kind of cult following, but also it in itself, it's kind of a statement on filmmaking. It's almost to say like, you don't need much and like they did it's not like they had someone in like a bad witch costume or anything or even a good witch costume it's it's almost scarier if we don't see anything right and i think a lot of that comes from the atmosphere from the very real problems uh and fears in this like just getting lost in the woods that's really scary Mm -hmm. (laughs) getting lost in the woods and having weird things happen to you to a normal person, like, that's a very real thing that can happen. That's a very scary thing that can happen. And, and even just, like, going into the woods without a map, you, that can easily happen to you. Yeah, for sure. It's happened to me. Really? Haven't I, 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 I don't know if I've told you that story, actually. That's, uh, that would be I don't think so. one to tell, which was, uh, there's a kid that lived nearby my house growing up. Oh, wait, is this where you, like, got lost in the cornfield? Yeah, well, it, it started oh, yeah. out. It started in the woods. We we were go karting, and he ran. We went into the mm. this highly wooded area. He drove it into a like little swamp thingy, and then I ended up walking out of the woods into cornfields because middle of nowhere, uh, Midwestern Illinois. That's sort of what's around. And oh boy. Did uh, I nearly give my parents a heart attack, but it was it was a long time. And the way that I actually got really, really lucky because it could have been way worse than it was. I walked up to this old farmhouse and there were two huge, scary dogs that ran me up onto the porch. And then I knocked on the porch door and this uh, really old woman answered. And I was just like, can I call my mom, please? And uh, they let me call my parents and that was it. And uh, they came and got me. And it was it was truly harrowing. Like, it was mm. probably the scariest thing that I've ever experienced. So I, I relate to this because it was, it was like, it wasn't, you know, multiple days, but I, it was... It was a lot. I don't I don't really remember how long I was actually out there. I just remember walking through a cornfield at night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh, is it night too? Yeah. No, no, no. When we ran the go-kart into the into the swamp thing, it was the morning. When oh, wow. I when I found the farmhouse, it was night. Wow. That is that's crazy. I I know that you have told me part of this story before i don't i didn't talk to that kid anymore (laughs) (laughs) no more go-karts after that no more go-karts i can't say that i have anything akin to that but i can only imagine like the the only only thing like as a kid that i can somewhat relate to is like getting lost in a store but like everyone's done that and it's not like a big deal oh yeah constantly i've constantly getting lost in stores i'm still getting lost in stores well when you're a child You came there with your parents, assumingly. So anyways, yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a scary situation. And like you kind of see the characters spiral into some form of insanity and all respectively a different kind of insanity. I think speaking of the characters, I, I think they do such a good job acting, considering that. Again, this was made like for nothing. And the people who made the movie are the, the people you see in the movie. So it's not like they, maybe they took like one or two college courses on acting. I don't know. But it's not like they're professional actors or anything. They're amateurs and they do such a good job. 
Like mm-hmm. Heather, I think from the get-go, I think Heather is supposed to be somewhat unlikable um, mm-hmm. just because she's often stating the obvious and they kind of portray her to be like the, the person who's a little over the top and... Dramatic. Dramatic, kind of stuck up, kind of like, you know, it's my way or the highway kind of mentality. Mm-hmm. And I think they do such a good job with her transformation because like there is that that scene where she's holding the camera up to her face and you're just getting that like close up of her face. And she's, she's like doing this kind of like confession style. Mm-hmm. Apology, her apology video. Yeah. And and she says like, I was very naive and you just see her kind of like break down and experience true regret. And it's just, it, it just seems like really raw emotion. Well, the thing about that is too, I mean, there's a lot of rawness to her emotion just because they filmed this in a way that I think elicited that kind of emotion. I mean, it was a very almost traumatic method of filming where they were actually out in the woods and sort of subjected to the elements of the woods for an extended period of time in the course of filming this. And and so already being sort of harrowed by the experience, it's the same thing with uh, Wet Hot American Summer, I was telling you about, where they actually, like, slept in cabins at, like, an old campsite while they were filming it. So it was, like, a sort of weathering to the actual actor. And then on top of that, to have just this, like, constant high levels of emotion, the acting, because when you have to scream so much, when you have to sort of injure yourself and you have to do all of this extra work, it's gonna tire you out. Like, they had really exhausting jobs to do on top Mm -hmm. of actually having to act like they had to carry all the packs and all the weight uh the whole time and they were essentially the filmmakers the film is like exactly like (laughs) it's exactly what it is the only fictional part of it is like actual Blair Witch and you know the people dying and I mean it kind of reminds me of Evil Dead in that way uh because Mm. Bruce Campbell is like out there with um the other I can't remember the other guys Scotty (laughs) (laughs) the whole time Mm -hmm. and like they stayed in the cabin that they shot in and it's like you can kind of see that disheveledness as the movie progresses and and as the filming progresses so there's this kind of idea of real-time breakdown with Mm -hmm. the characters and the acting and the filmography of it which is like kind of really cool and very admirable for the horror genre itself they have to commit to it yeah and i think that anything less than commitment is gonna make this unsuccessful and it's interesting because you know you say the actors committed fully to this and in every other instance of a found footage film that tries to be the Blair Witch none of them do it as successfully and I think a lot of that comes down to sheer acting quality the Mm -hmm. fact that the emotions of these actors are so raw makes you I guess just believe them they're believable I believe that they're actually having like this degree of a severe reaction to the filming process so like kudos to them i I don't know if they it's really a remake or if it's like a spiritual sequel or something but yeah the the latest one that's just called blair witch uh i've seen that one and the acting in that is not nearly as good Mm -hmm. and they do actually like show 
kind of glimpses of the witch and of course we, you know they have 2016 effects to it so it's it's frightening but it's not as frightening as this one yeah. just because so much of the acting like it, it's this empathic kind of quality to it and and the fact that there's they they present very real life problems like josh josh is like talking about how he has to be at work the next day and that's like the original like oh man like i gotta be at work tomorrow like i'm gonna lose my job and then it kind of spirals beyond that um mike is freaking out about returning his filming equipment the map goes missing that's always a, a very large fear when you're lost already and like you kind of feel that desperation you know they're they're walking in that arc and you know there's that shot of heather kind of going like oh no this isn't the same log it can't be the same log we've been walking south this whole time and then she comes up to it <laughs> well that's that was a good acting moment too because you know mm-hmm. you're trying to convince yourself as much as you are trying mm-hmm. to convince the people around you as much as you are trying to convince the audience and i think that she succeeded in that acting on all fronts because damn it's like heart-wrenching to actually see and there are a couple of moments in this movie that are just brutal in the way that they deal with that like level of um i almost want to say like trauma there's like a certain level of trauma like her reaction to when josh asks her uh are you gonna write us a happy ending and she like Mm -hmm. cracks and i thought it was just like damn that is a absolutely brutal moment that a lesser actor would not have been able to carry. And, and like that that comes right after he goes, we're here to make movies, let's make movies. Because she's like, just turn the camera off. And it's like he's mocking her, mm-hmm. but it's also this kind of like reality to it. And I think it was Mike that said when they're filming, it's like filtered reality. It's like you can pretend everything isn't quite how it is. Mm-hmm. So it's like this, it's like they're kind of breaking the fourth wall yeah. and giving you a little that ironic realism to it. Right. And it's just kind of cool how I, how they do that. But also there's like th- those brutal moments too. And that emotion to it, like when be- going back to when Heather is doing that kind of, you know, facing the camera shot, she says, I'm scared to close my eyes and I'm scared to open them, which is just so, or you can put yourself into her position at that point. It's like, yeah, I can, I can see that. <laughs> like that's, that's how I would feel too. It's, it's very really, good. really good at, at hitting the tragic points without actually shoving them like in your face that like this is supposed to be dramatic and this is one of the very few movies where i'm like this is so much better because they didn't have a score i think too many too many found footage films will add like little musical cues and stuff anyway little sound editing devices to try and trick you into thinking that those moments are a little bit more dramatic than they actually are and it doesn't do that in this and i'm so thankful that it doesn't well that's something they they rely so much on ambient noise but i think that because you didn't see them carrying around like big booms or anything so you know that it's just the audio that they're recording off the camera so it's not like the highest of quality and you can hear that even in in the sound of the movie there are some times when the tracking is like a little bit off which is like very 90s this even though this was released in 1999 it they said in the intro that it was filmed in 1994 so it's just like very mid 90s kind of thing of like you're watching old footage i think they did a good job in post isolating important sounds when there is that darkness and i mean who knows 
knows if the camera was even on for that because it's just sheer darkness. So they could have just like been messing around with external microphones uh, to get the sounds that they wanted prioritized. Either that or they did a really good job editing. But there's yeah. also those those moments where the sound's like surrounding them. Like Heather says multiple times that sound is all around them. So they can't tell which direction it's coming from. Mm -hmm. That's why they're so confused when they hear Josh's voice calling for help. They don't know which way direction to go in. So they just start screaming. And it's like, that's kind of like the trick of the Blair Witch is she's trying to like get them to give away their position without really giving away hers. That's which is an interesting creepy. way of putting that that I didn't necessarily consider. That's the thing about this, though, Zach. Is there a Blair Witch? <laughs> I knew you were about to ask that. I well, okay. So what? What is the alternative? Just like some creep living in the woods. Why does it have to be a creep living in the woods? Oh shit! Yeah, they actually no. There has to be a Blair Witch because there's a guy. There's he's leaving stuff. For them. What do you mean, leaving stuff for them? Well, like leaving the bundle in of like Josh's clothes, you know. Well, what do you think is killing them? Well, nothing kills them at the end. I don't well, think. I guess that you that never was... see Mike die. That but... was the thing, the because the mic is in the corner, and you know they do that in every every movie. They have like a corner thing. Well, that that's part of the legend of it, right? So they, they talked about how the Blair Witch or whoever. Yeah. Um, you don't. You that don't the legend's look at based it. off of right because he would he would be killing one one of them or she would be killing one of them and uh, they didn't want their eyes on them so they'd make them face the corner. Yeah, never mind. <laughs> I mean, no, it's it's a it's a plausible theory because the the whole that's kind of the premise of the whole movie is you know they're they're kind of like oh we don't really believe in this it's just a legend but you know we're gonna go and check it out and it's it's a plausible question I think because. I mean, what, whichever way you frame it, there's some sort of witchcrafty element to it because of like the little stick figures and the way that, that you know, like the, the bundle that you're talking about of Josh's mm -hmm. teeth. And... Well, here's the thing, because we see them sort of going actually crazy. This is this is the this is why I've always sort of debated this. And I think that there is a huge debate around it because the stick figure things are the like simplest thing that happens and they those don't really need human explanation but like the more egregious stuff doesn't really start until like josh goes missing and so i always started to think like i i always thought that like josh had something to do with it like i always thought that he was the one that put the the bundle of sticks outside with his with with teeth and blood in it yeah but like that's not un people that's something that people do when they sort of go crazy i mean maybe and and they did kind of frame josh as being like the one who was <laughs> kind of like the weakest mentally just because like he's kind of the one that loses it internally the most like mike's kind of wearing his insanity on his sleeve and you know what they say about <laughs> expressing your your inner feelings uh is healthier than bottling them up and i feel like josh bottles them up more so it kind of rattles around in his brain more so I, it's plausible i you know this is this is a podcast about the Blair witch project matt you got to bring up uh you got to bring up your theories <laughs> yeah i just I, there's something there's something that makes me think that it could be non-supernatural because there's so much to this movie that avoids having like the supernatural stuff like for example 
Uh, in the Resident Evil Biohazard opening credits, not opening credits, but like opening gameplay, they actually have like a scene where the cameraman goes into this, you know, abandoned house in, in like a swampland and he impales like part of his uh, eye on like a hook in the basement. And it's a Blair Witch Project moment. It It is identical to the like ending scene of the Blair Witch Project down to like the, the camera stuff. But the only difference is that the, the person like pulls him away like and and like pulls him off of it and that's how you see that he's actually been like impaled on it and i uh-huh. think that there's like an interesting thing too in the way that this is shot where it kind of makes it seem like they just tripped right and i think that that's part of the beauty of this is that there is a little bit of an ambiguity to it the blair witch project is a myth this movie does not expose whether or not it's a myth still. It hides it. It shields that, in fact, by having relatively ambiguous things happen at the end yeah. to kill them, you know? Yeah. What? And that's that's such a big thing in the found footage sh- subgenre because, you know, think of like paranormal activity. It's open-ended. If it's found footage, then something had to have happened to stop the footage. So I, I think that... You know, it's it really what we're questioning here is like whether it's supposed to be taken literally as, you know, the people who made this were killed. And given the climactic nature of the ending, I, I think that it's supposed to be they died. They didn't just like trip and fall because if they well, tripped and fall and the camera broke or something, then like when they had just gotten a new camera and continued filming. Well, that's the thing, you know, what happened? Well, if he'd like tripped onto a pipe and had died or if she had cracked her skull open like there's i think a lot to it you know that that's the thing it doesn't it doesn't give you an express reason to believe that they were killed just that they died so i think putting like the devil advocate aside i think that the blair witch is real Mm -hmm. uh or supposed to be real in this movie just because like the paganistic nature of a lot of the things that happen like the, the humanoid stick figures that are hanging from the trees you know to me it, it almost felt like like jesus on the cross yeah but like kind of bastardized in a way that is evil in nature so i thought that was kind of like and, and it's supposed to be like this kind of wiccan like earthy kind of feeling you know it's it's like the ancientness of witchcraft that you feel in that moment and the same thing with the bundle that you get later on of like oh here is a bundle of sticks that's wrapped with cloth that josh is wearing and presumably josh's teeth in it like that's got to be some kind of ancient spell right Mm -hmm. that's got to be like some curse and the fact that they were going through josh's stuff and like josh's stuff had slime all over it or whatever his pack was the one that was missing so it makes you feel like he was the one that was targeted first for uh for knocking that pile of rocks over that was supposed to be like the tomb marker oh yes because remember, there's the seven tomb markers and there are piles of rocks and, you know, he kind of knocks one over and um, then Heather kind of like fixes it and she says, you can't be too careful. Like that kind of shows her hand of like being kind of superstitious from the beginning and that she kind of believes in it a little bit. And then what is it like the next morning they wake up and there's three of those piles of rocks around their tent. So it's like there's th- these are supposed to be for them. And, and the whole like, rocks over what are presumably tombs it's kind of biblical right you know jesus removing the the stone and and emerging from 
his tomb. And there, there's also the legend, I think it's the, like the old lady, Mary Brown, who like everyone in town says she's crazy and they go and talk to her and she, she looks like she could be a witch, but she's holding the Bible and wearing a rosary. So you're like, ah, she's safe, right? She's not a witch. And she's the only one who actually like, describes the witch. And she also mentions this girl, Robin Weaver, who disappeared into the woods. Mm-hmm. And then she emerged three days later talking about the witch. Yeah, that's so very you know, biblical. Yeah, it, there are these like kind of bastardized versions of these Bible stories that just make it seem too too much to be coincidence to me. Although it could be a very elaborate prank. <laughs> That's the thing too. Like it, it could it could just be like a deliverance style thing where it's it's the people. Although there's an interesting thing too with the uh house that they go into at the end, all over the walls are like children's handprints in like mud. Yeah. And like the I thought it was blood, but it could yeah, be. It could, it could be blood. Be mud. Could it be it blood was hard too. to tell because that was that was shot with the black and white camera, right? Mm-hmm. And that's another interesting cinematography thing is that they had one like normal video camera for the 90s and they had one black and white uh, that was filming in black and white the whole time. That was probably some, I, I think they called it some, I'm not a camera person, so they call it some special thing like a DAB or something. I don't know, but it's just interesting how they did that. But yeah, the, the little handprints and then the baby crying kind of makes you wonder how oh, that would be related. Yes. And I have no idea. I mean, that that could be biblical too. Who knows? Yeah, there's always like a uh, there's always like a motherhood thing to the witches in like the woods. They would like steal kids. You know, kind of reminds me of ha- Hansel and Gretel. Yeah, kind of <laughs> reminds me of the movie Mother, <laughs> where that's uh that's like a significant theme is the the idea of like childhood uh, as it relates to people being insane. So well, and also. And also being like having to fend for themselves in the woods. Cause that's like the original like Grimm brothers, Hansel and Gretel story is like the, the parents abandoned them because they couldn't afford, like they couldn't afford to feed them. And so they had like kind of, it's, it's like this almost kind of coming of age survival, like of the fittest uh, idea. It's a good movie. That's the crazy thing. This movie holds up, Zach. Yeah. Sorry. You know what just occurred to me? What? Remember when Mike asks Heather, what's your favorite thing to do on a Sunday? Mm-hmm. And then she goes, it used to be hiking in the woods. Yeah. So it's like, you know, Sunday's like, you know, lazy Sunday. But that's another thing that could be a little religious in nature. Yeah. What's your favorite thing to do on a Sunday besides go to church, you heathen? <laughs> well, you know, uh, they probably weren't going to church. Oh, uh, well, you know. <laughs> It's hard to tell. It's hard to tell with uh, you never know the structure of these sorts of fairy tales. I don't. Well, know. it's just the just just <laughs> the way that just just the just the overall like the way that they were like talking about the townspeople yeah. and like Mary Brown in particular who was holding a Bible when she talked to them and wearing a rosary. It's like it just seemed like they didn't really consider that as like part of their culture right yeah but i would, I would agree going that. back to what you were saying it was it, it's a good movie it's a very good movie it's very horrific and and it induces empathy the other thing i think it does really well is 
if you were to go back to like middle school English class and like do like the plot map <laughs> of this movie, you know, it, it's a roller coaster because at the beginning there is so much 90s nostalgia and well, I guess it's not really a nostalgia when they made it, but for us watching it now and having been 90s kids, it's 90, 90s AF. And there's so much humor in it to, to begin. Like it's such a light mood at the start and there is humor interspersed throughout. Like even when they start going insane and start getting at each other's throats, there someone will like crack a joke. Like Mike going, who wants a cheeseburger? I got a cheeseburger in my back pocket. Like that's pretty funny. That was, mm-hmm. and, and it induces a laugh because you are just as nervous as they are and just as desperate for a laugh in those moments. Mm-hmm. So it's like, and that increases the, the empathetic nature, or I guess that your your empathy for the characters is like, oh, you know, they're just normal young people who are joking around and like they just want to feel kind of normal in this moment, yeah. just as any of us would. Yeah, for sure. It, it There's something that is just terrible about it. That's just terrible enough. <laughs> You know what line got me? And this was, and and it really shouldn't, but it was when Heather like zoomed in on this dead mouse in the middle of the woods and she goes, what killed this mouse? And this is mm-hmm. what, this is before like they, and anything bad really happened. And it's just the way that she was framing it seemed like it was like this murder mystery around the mouse. And it's like, it was probably just like a hawk or something, but it was just so funny to me. What? A hawk? How dare you. <laughs> the Blair Hawk Project. The Blair Hawk Project. Coming soon to a theater near you. <laughs> ha! <laughs> I cannot believe you just did that. <laughs> Why? Was it that good? It was pretty good. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised at how good your hawk sound is. Jesus. My throat's just messed up enough right now. That was, wow, that was incredible. I am shocked. Do you have anything else to, uh, this is this is kind of a short one because there's not, there's just so much like atmosphere to it. Yeah, that it's like, I truly don't have not, anything to add. And I was hoping yeah, that you would have more to add, but I don't. I, I do. I have a little bit more. In, in the beginning is that it uses a lot of, verbal description through dialogue rather than actual imagery on film to give you this image of the witch and the the like the gravity of the witch of like being this thing that can take down three people Mm -hmm. uh, fairly easily and it's like coming from the townspeople that they're interviewing like especially the old man and then mary brown uh they give like very plausibly incorrect accounts but they seem confident enough in their delivery that it's like oh like yeah yeah and in terms of it being in that documentary style there's something to be said about how documentaries are actually made and so much of it is done in narration and in voiceover that keeps the story good in this case. Like, it's a documentary that you would actually want to watch because as much as these kinds of things are interesting to watch, the entire history of the Blair Witch, as we know it so far, and, of course, the idea of, like, the urban legend in general, is entirely an oral history. So the fact Mm -hmm. that they're using the medium 
of film to convey something that is clearly an oral history, I think is a neat extension of that sort of like ethos. Yeah. I mean, like documentaries are basically just someone reading a Wikipedia page while playing some related imagery behind it. That's all I got. Yeah. I I don't have a lot for this movie other than it's a good movie. It's got a large following, which is interesting. And like I said, popularized the... The subgenre, which is, it's it's so interesting how this is one that got so popular. I think just because it's so scary and relatable. Uh, because I, Val and I were watching it with you, and Val was talking about how her mom went to go and see it by herself in the theaters, and mm-hmm. like she had to leave because she couldn't handle the shakiness of like yeah. the handheld camera style. And that's just like interesting because it was nothing to us. When we watched it this week. Because we've watched other found footage movies. And I remember the first one I saw was uh, Cloverfield. And I was like, how can you tell what is going on here? Yeah. The first time I watched that. And now it's, you know, it's it's nothing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's, It's very easy because we're just, we adapt so well. And cinematography has changed so much, even over our lifetimes, which are relatively short. Yeah. It's just, it's just interesting how this became defining being what it is. It just tells you the, the quality of the delivery of this information. It survives because it is a good movie. Like, for how low budget this movie is, the acting is impeccable. It's so believable. There are so many other low budget found footage films that have never been able to replicate that simply because... They get people who they want to be like, oh, these are normal people and we're going to cast unknown actors because we have to. And there's not like a quality checking process to that. (laughs) So then you get essentially (laughs) not great actors doing not great performances, which then immediately takes you out of the like relatability, believability element to it. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this week's episode of Watch No Evil. This is Zach. And this is Matt. And how much witch would a Blair Witch witch if a Blair Witch could Blair 